Welcome to HACCP Mentor, where it's all about helping you make your food business compliance easier. Sit back and relax as we get our food safety, HACCP and quality compliance on. Okay, welcome to our new segment called Off the Menu, where Peter Holtman and I will be talking about professional development for the food industry. So welcome, Pete. Thanks very much, Amanda. This will be a good segment for everybody, I hope. Hopefully. So what we're aiming to do is deliver 12 podcasts. I think we'll get to 12, sure. I think we're going to look at um, topics around career development that aren't on the menu that you wouldn't normally find. So these are areas around what personal attributes, skills, knowledge, work experience you might need for certain career paths, how to get on a career path, what do you do once you're on the career path, what's the end of your career path look like, and this is all around the food industry because obviously that's our experiences along the way. So hopefully we find you'll find this information kind of useful for you, information that might be hard to find or off the menu. Yeah, this is one question that I generally get asked by a lot of people. I get emails sent about, you know, how do I become a consultant? How do I become an auditor? You know, how do I progress in the job that I'm doing now in the whatever food business that you're working in? Maybe you've gone in at a, a lower level and you want to know how to climb the ladder within a business. So we're going to really focus on those next steps that you need to take um, whilst also delivering you know, what type of skills and attribute, the expectations, right through to being a master of a QA or food safety manager within the business. This is us giving back to the industry from our years of experience and mastery of our craft and and workplaces and uh, utilising this as a bit of a mentoring session for you or maybe a bit of coaching. Yes. Okay. So this episode we're going to focus on, we're just going to do a bit of backstory around the career path or our career path just yeah. so you can get familiar with what we've done and seen and um, all of that type of stuff. So Pete, we'll start off with you. If you sure. would like to, you know, what makes you qualified to even be telling people yeah. the path they should be taking? <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the thing? Huh? It's, uh, I, I guess what it is is people, people ask a lot about what your career path is and, and a lot of people are, are attracted to vibrant stories or stories around success or even how you overcome a lot of uh, maybe challenges in the workplace and I think I've got a fair few of those along the way. I've changed my career path many times now. and Is that because you just get bored really easily? <laughs> no, I think I'm always looking for the, for the next challenge and uh, I think I became quite aware of where my skills were at, at one point and started to use those to move into multiple multiple. Uh, uh, directions, I guess, or career paths. Sometimes I've had more than one career at once. Sometimes I left my track like, like completely. A tra- like a tradesperson, yeah, bricklayer right. and a doctor. Yeah, that's right, all, all <laughs> in one. Actually, I saw, I saw something the other day that the guy was advertising as a plumber and electrician all at once. He calls himself a plumberlick. So a plumberlick. A plumberlick. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sounds so. like some... Kind of exotic bird. <laughs> or something not on the menu. Yeah. Something not on the menu. Absolutely. So where did you where did you start and how did you end up getting into, you know, what was your first degree and how did you end up falling into or did you fall into food safety um, or working in the food industry? Where did that all start? It was kind of like that. It was my, my degree was in uh, chemistry. So I, I started 
studying uh, applied sciences and during that course I studied chemistry, physics and astrophysics and then uh, finally graduated in, in chemistry. And whilst I was doing that, I went out into the field and started working in all different sorts of laboratories just to get a feel for what was out there. Some of these were short-term gigs, some were a little bit longer. Is there much work in astrophysics just um, off the shelf? No, not really, no. Um, good move, Not Pete. in Australia, at least. Good, good move, Pete. Well, you know, it's an interesting area, so you've got to stretch the brain a little bit. But uh, definitely... Uh, Finally ended up in a food lab and I was I was just doing, uh, as we call, bucket chemistry. So that's uh, just doing like salt titrations and, and uh, a little bit of bench work along the way. And that was my first uh, foray. <laughs> that was my first foray into, into the food industry there. And uh, so it was a, an ingredient manufacturer. So, uh, you know, it could be like flavors that are sprinkled on chips that you that you would eat. So if you're eating some sort of nacho flavored chip then we would make the the nacho flavor that's sprinkled on the so all the powdered chip. stuff uh powders and liquids, and liquids yeah. yeah yeah we did we did all, all of those things so, so that how was, long were you with them for uh i was there five years okay. i believe it was yeah and um whilst i was there well actually so i stayed for a short-term assignment left and went on holidays to europe and whilst i was in europe they called up my family and said, where is he? We want him to come back for a full-time job. So I actually... Did you le- tell them you were actually going away? No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually that the assignment had finished and um, and I'd gone off on a bit of a, a, not even a gap year, a gap couple of months basically before I went back to work uh, somewhere else. I didn't know where I was going. It was all just contract work at the time. Yeah. And they rang and said, Look, come back, we want to give you a full-time job. And, you know, uh, four and a bit years later, uh, I was running their regulatory affairs section and, and so people say, what the hell is regulatory affairs? Well, that looks at how you label product, how you describe the product in terms of its, um, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ingredients and composition. So at those time, in that day, it was either natural, nature, identical or artificial. So you had to work on the formulations and then this funny new thing came along which was called quality and I started working in quality systems and that was... Uh, so this is at the ingredient place? Yeah. Dry ingredient place. Yeah, so this is when uh, Australian standards first decided to start doing something around uh, quality quality work and then we got introduced to the ISO world. Yeah, so it's ISO 9001? Uh, it was just was in those days, it was just called ISO 9000, there wasn't any... Variant. No, that didn't right. exist back 04. then. No, this is this is when we're still chiseling stuff on rocks. Right. Yeah, it was just the nine thousand world, and then what followed suit shortly thereafter was HACCP, that that came around um, probably late nineties and and into the early two thousands. This whole concept started to spring up in at least in our industries, and I was even though HACCP had come around with the whole NASA. Carry sure. on back in the sixties. Yeah, it wasn't in industry. It wasn't in the food manufacturing industry that I was aware of at that time. Yeah, and uh, this was the, the company said, "Go explore it. Go see what it's all about. Is it anything like ISO systems? How would it fit with our quality systems? What do we do next?" So, because we're a food industry, and I was doing regulation and legislation, the the next natural progression was to go study that. And 
that was really where I started on the the quality, uh, on the food safety uh, trick, I guess. Yeah. So you've gone from the lab into a regulatory role, picked up a bit of quality, started to learn about that. So it's kind of like you started learning on the job and you kind of were forced into that position as opposed to consciously thinking at the beginning of your career, that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. No one, no one even knew how to spell HACCP back then. I, was, I guess people still struggle with that. <laughs> so but, H-A- yeah. Half C- a chicken, chips and Pepsi, C- as we used to say. Half a chicken, chips and, and Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, HACCP. Right, never heard that before. There you go. That's how we used to get through it. Half a chicken, chips and Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, H-A-C-C-P. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So, um, it's worth me getting out of bed today, Pete, oh, there to you learn go. that. Well, well done to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was I, – I really didn't get a choice in the matter. The company wanted to put it in place because it was a, a European company and I guess Europe was ahead of us at that time in terms of standards and I had to go off and study it, and, which is what I did. So it seemed interesting. It seemed to fit the whole world of compliance and conformity and, and regulation, which is what I was charged with looking after. And um, I guess it progressed from there. And shortly after that, the uh, so you're still at the ingredient place. Yeah, I haven't moved yet. Yep, oh, okay. still, there. still there. I would say in the latter part of the five years I was there, I was asked to start auditing, uh, internal auditing. That is, and I didn't know what this was. Again, this was, you know, uh, you're thrown into it. Yeah, thrown into it as, as if to say, go learn it. And this was in those days. It was only one auditing course it was just how to be an auditor there was no lead auditor no no uh, principal auditor no, nothing like that it was just go be an auditor in quality and yeah. there wasn't even auditing in food safety back in those days everyone just assumed that if you could do um, quality audits you could do food safety audits and you could do environment audits and you could do health and safety audits and you could do any well, sort of audit I don't even think environment and OHS or as it was called then WHS now was even no, it was happening it, at that point. It was still very, very early days for that stuff. I think I remember that turning up in the early 2000s. So that was that company. And then I left that company to become a full-time auditor in food safety. Oh, you have rocks in your head. Yeah, I know. I don't understand that. <laughs> and uh, so I, I went to, a, a at the time, a small food safety company, but they had the bulk of the food safety auditing work for retail chains here in Australia. And whilst I was there, we were developing food safety standards, so proprietary standards for, in those days, it was like Woolworths and then at some point it was Coles and then it was the the original SQF, which was still owned by the Department of Agriculture in Western Australia in those days. So for those who didn't know that is where SQF actually originated, was in Australia and not the US. That's exactly right. And at one point it was taken offshore to Geneva when it was the original SQF Institute was formed in Geneva and then it wasn't uh, doing what it was expected to do then and then the US picked it up thereafter. So, uh, you know, not just myself but... The team at that auditing company were involved in writing lots of different standards, spotless standard, all sorts of things. So uh, I guess the the regulatory component followed through and the auditing component followed through. I started – that company also had a consulting arm and so I did a little bit of consulting along the way. And they also started to develop a training arm because with this growth in the use of food safety and food standards – for the retailers, 
there was a requirement to teach people on what it was and how to put it into businesses and you know what's this what's this crazy thing half a chip and half a chicken chips and Pepsi all about <laughs> uh, the HACCP. and so I well, that was around about two thousand and one yeah it was around two thousand one two thousand two because I think that's when we met was around two thousand and one I think so yeah and that was in the process of actually looking at was that auditors and signing off where the auditors were competent and had the right skill and knowledge to be able to go ahead and yeah. do. But that was for QS, QSA or QAS? Uh, QSA in those days. So for Quality people wondering, Society it was yeah, Australia. Quality Society of Australasia was the non-profit body that looked at how to cert- uh, register and give credentials to professionals who are auditors in industry, and not just food, but all sorts of things. And so that was the only way we could get a license, for want of a better term, get a license to do our job, which was auditing, and in those days, food safety. And so I used to volunteer for those guys. I used to go in and and sit on panels and review applications. And that's where I met you, because I was so frustrated with the process when I got knocked back to have oysters as a category uh, yes. and I'd been looking after the the shellfish quality assurance program for the government for about five years with a colleague of mine and I was deemed not to have enough knowledge. So I thought, well, the best way that I can overcome this is I'll go and put myself on the panel to assess auditors and try and make some real change around the expectation. And I think at that time, because we were government auditors, we were seen as inspectors and not auditors. Mm. So it was a real, I think, shift from moving from this perception of audit, uh, sorry, inspectors have got no idea, where in fact inspectors actually have quite a lot of idea because of what they have to go through and do every day and learn. That's true. And uh, I think that stigma still probably hangs around in, in parts today still. Here we are 20 years later talking about the same sorts of things. Um but it's an interesting point, isn't it? That um, mm. uh, how do you how do you get an industry to recognise that the people are doing the similar sort of outcomes or aiming for the same outcomes? Yeah, that's right. And uh, so we th- actually known each other for nearly twenty years. Oh, it's a little bit worrying, isn't that it? It is worrying. Yeah. Jeez. So um, must be really old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I'm no, still of course quite not. Young. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were you were just infantile in that's those it. days. Yeah. <laughs> I started early. Yeah. So why don't we talk about how you got started in the food safety then? What's What was your story? Um, well, I was I was kind of started off, I was working in hospitality and then basically mum and dad cracked it with me and said, you need to go get a real job. I was doing hotel management at TAFE, which is like college here in Australia. Um, yeah, so they cracked it and said, get a real job. So I went off to uni to do environmental science or environmental health. Four-year degree, ended up landing a job in my third year as because we had to do 12 months work placement as part of graduation. So it was there that I kind of rocked up to our local public health unit and said, can I have a job? I was actually like dressed in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. I just happened to be walking past and ran into a colleague uh, who was actually the father of a friend who I went to school with and he was saying to me, oh, you know, telling me what he did. He was a health inspector at the time, um, which was quite ironic that that should all come together 
because he said, oh, you should just go and, you know, go and see if they'll give you a job. So I went, oh, okay. So I actually walked straight upstairs after running into him and asked for a job. Mm. And the director at the time, who ended up becoming a really great mentor for me, um, said, yeah, no worries. And then I put another stipulation. It was like, oh, can I get paid as well? (laughs) Because that was one of the things with my dad. I said, I'm not going to work for any of these people if I don't get paid more than $300 a week. And he was like, no, you will go and work. doesn't matter what you'll get paid. And I went, Dad, I can earn more money working in a bar two days a week, so why would I work five days a week? Yeah, right. Yeah, so thankfully I think my first pay then was like $302 there you go. So a you week. you met the threshold. <laughs> I met the threshold, so that was kind of good. So you didn't actually yeah. go seeking out this work either this was sort of this came upon you yeah it was just opportunistic i think that i'd run into that person and i hadn't even considered um, the public health unit because a lot of the attention at uni to get this placement year was going and working in a local in local government rather than state or federal government Mm. and you know working as a health inspector in local council so it was completely like i said wasn't even on my radar to think oh I didn't even know that public health units existed at a state level. So, so. was the whole thing around food safety and HACCP conversation then or was it, it was it more uh, legislation and regulation that you were following? Uh, at, that, at that time, I spent the first 12 months was doing health, health inspection. So swimming pool, quality, immunisation, mm. HIV and AIDS had just kind of taken off sure. at that point. So we were doing a lot of um, education. We were doing a lot of skin penetration uh, reviews and inspections of tattoo parlours just because we didn't really have a good understanding of the transmission factors, uh, you know, with response to HIV and AIDS. So that was really, really, really interesting work to do. And then I basically had a blow up with my director. Oh, not my, sorry, not the like guy I liked. The, not the big boss, but the one my, that you didn't like. The one that I didn't like, which is my direct supervisor, I ended up having a big blow up with him. Um, and the director basically said, "Look, maybe we will put you in the food area." So oh, wow. I went into the food area and then went under the wing of um, another one of my greatest mentors, uh, Philip, at the time. So that that worked out really well. And then I stayed in that unit for for six years. Hmm. After that, and then I, I left the Department of Health when I was just after I had my second child or before I had my second child. So that was my transition then into private industry. So pretty much from that point on, you were running your own show. Yeah, yeah. So I started my consultancy back in 2000. So I'm celebrating 20 years of being in business for myself this year. Congratulations for Thank you. Thank you. Is there a party? Yay. There may be. Oh, there may good. not be. Right. <laughs> There may be some sherbets involved or, mm. you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Soft drinks. It's soft drinks. <laughs> some light cordial. That's all right. Um, my primary thing when I, I started was because HACCP was only just starting. So it wasn't law yet, um, but one of the biggest changes was happening in Australian law was the requirement to put nutrition panels on product labelling. In that respect, I was then able to transition into a lot more labelling work and developing these panels and ingredient listings, mm. and that's what I was doing for for food companies because of all the changes. 
that kind con- and I ended up getting a contract then with um, it was Baker's Delight at the time. They were in Australia, then they they moved into New Zealand and then moved into Canada. I think they're called Cobbs up in Canada. Like I did their labelling work for around about twelve years until I end up training the people in their own head office to do it. That was kind of like a good start for me. Um, and then while this time, you know, I think it was about uh, probably 12 months after because I just did not want to do any more auditing or inspections. I was kind of over it because that's in the food area with health department. I did a lot of auditing and went into mm. a lot of different businesses, a lot of prosecution work. We did all our own legal work. So we would basically, you, you really had to be a solicitor. All of that training for me all came from my boss and some of the courses that the department ran. But I don't have a formal legal like I'm not a lawyer that type of scenario self-appointed self-appointed yeah yeah that's all right. read a few blog posts there you go so. self-certified yeah <laughs> that's, yeah. It. that's <laughs> it so it was the, kind of like the scope of works that I had to do to you know satisfy the outcomes of the department at that time yeah. so I took that lot of skill into my own business and my parents had worked for themselves as well so I think I had you know, a lot of those attributes to mm. to stay focused and not get distracted and by a familiarity, things. I guess, with those sorts with that sort of work environment. Yeah, and because I think my first client that I ever got was someone I'd prosecuted as right. a business, <laughs> and they're actually still a client of mine now, twenty years later. Well, wow. you obviously did something right or wrong then. I might, yeah, something something happened. So I think it was just a matter of they were looking at me as the inspector, not. The person behind the badge, basically, um, which happens in a lot of enforcement places that people do actually have some level of skill and knowledge that can help your business. So, so did you see your career developing at some point in the food industry? Like, did you say, okay, this is this is my niche or my fit, this is right for me? I th- maybe I think so. I probably enjoyed the food safety aspects of it, which I didn't really know I was going to enjoy. So when I went to uni, we only, I think, only did one one subject on food safety. You know, we still did micro and, and chemistry and physics and all that type of stuff because it was a science degree, but not really anything around food safety. Mm. So it wasn't until by chance, let's call it, that I was in an environment that allowed me to to move within that department to start getting interested in that factor. Because I really thought I was going to be a health inspector. I was actually and building inspector, go out and certify buildings, right? You know, all of that type of stuff. You know, which was quite new for a female to to be a building inspector. You know, for new dwellings, new domestic dwellings, and you know, talking about concrete and frames and stuff like that. So, so was it the it, when you think about it, was it the building aspect that interests you, or was it the inspection aspect that interested you? Um, I think I like. The inspection side of it, but I probably more like the factor of I saw it as my role to protect public health, yeah, and I could do my part in achieving that. So if people weren't doing the right thing, I had no problem taking them to court and finding them whatsoever. I yeah. never got scared. I actually had someone actually threaten me with a gun one day, and you know, and I laughed it off for goodness sakes. There's no way I'd do that now. You know, I've sure. been chased around the kitchen with a knife. Yeah. yeah, there's some Wild West so. stories out there, aren't there? I remember being followed home on the train from from a, from a, uh, an audit once. Um, I've, I've been threatened as well. Someone pulls out 
pulls out a gun and sticks it on a table, things like that. Yeah, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah. you know, back in those days. And you've got to think, when you're taking someone's livelihood away and the jobs of 80 people, yeah. you know, because they can't get the basics right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people tend to kind of react to that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, I know. I know. And of course, we never got any training in those areas. Like, no. our employers never said, "Oh, you know, you're going to encounter these situations. Here's how you here's how you respond." Yeah, there was no conflict that. management courses no, going no. around at the time, or how do you deal with someone who puts a gun on their desk and says, "I know where I, or I can. I know you've got young children, and I can find out where you live." Yeah. You know, besides saying, are you threatening me? Yeah, exactly. And the end, yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Exactly. Righto, well, this is not going to end well, so you might as well put that away. Yeah. I guess the other yeah. side of that is uh, people bribing. Did you ever have people bribing Oh, you? absolutely. Yeah. And one person got really offended that I didn't take the bribe. Yeah. Because their place was just like absolute <laughs> There was everywhere. Yeah. And I mean everywhere. So why on earth would I want to take... It wasn't even money at that point. I have been offered money. But this was just a simple, you know, I think it was like five kilos of prawns. And it's like, so I've just walked into your place. There's a guy peeling the prawns sitting on the toilet and you want to give me prawns? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Are That's you amazing, serious? isn't it? Yeah. But then got really offended because it's like, what, my prawns aren't good enough for you? Yeah. So for those in the US, a prawn is a, a shrimp. A shrimp. But they got really offended, which I just, oh, I think yeah. it's hilarious. I turned up at my car once and there was a, a baker's tray full of sausage rolls there and, and uh, sitting sitting next to my car and that was the, here, take this home with you for your family type take this, thing. Yeah, because yeah. I want to eat. I want to eat a tray of sausage rolls that have been sitting in the sun on my car. Absolutely. <laughs> Unprotected. Just eat it in the car on the way yeah. home. Yeah. These sorts of things. And again, when And I actually said, well, the prawn guy, yeah, I actually said to him, look, if you're going to bribe me, you need to, I've got a mortgage. So you make it yeah. worth my while if I'm going to, because I'll end up going down for this. Listeners, so please note that at no stage, neither <laughs> of us have ever accepted a bribe. No, we haven't. No. no. But it's just the interesting uh, stories that come out that people just think you're going to naturally accept. And as yeah. you were saying, Amanda, about people get offended when you don't take it. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, I mean, I've had situations where, again, you're in the factory auditing and they do ready-to-eat meals and you think, I wouldn't feed my dog this stuff. That's right. And then they... Give it to you for lunch. Yeah, they make you sit down and eat it for lunch and you sort of think, oh, how do I, how do I get out of yeah. these situations? So uh, Diplomacy skills, um, yeah. conflict oh, sorry, resolution. I'm, just, I'm not hungry. Yeah, we, we were never taught any of these yeah. things. I think it's... I'm gluten intolerant. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm allergic to peanuts. Well, so isn't that an interesting thing? If we talk about that, when, when I first started out in food safety, allergen wasn't even really... A, a big topic of conversation like the best we might have had was talking about peanuts that was about it at, at best peanuts yeah. and now there's well, well i see they've got a a new vaccine for um peanuts they? got released this week yeah yeah just to lower the tolerance yeah. or for what people can um yeah. actually take without having a major death reaction type of scenario sure so yeah so, so they didn't even exist allergens were not even Weren't even on the school chart at so that point. So would you say that looking at your career that you've followed food safety trends? In other words, um, positioned your work to take advantage of the opportunities or would you say that you would have led 
some of the the trends for food safety in, in the industries you've worked with? Uh, I think I've been there probably more flexible in my ability to move move with the trends. Yep. And I had that ability to be able to see ahead that, okay, so HACCP, two years I was working on a task force when I was with Health about bringing in new food safety regulations and that include having to have a food safety program in your business. So for me that being able to see that two years in advance, I could set myself up ready to be the yeah. the industry le- or a industry leader or expert in that area. And same with the labelling stuff as well, because there weren't too many consultants getting around being able to do labelling at that point. So That's yeah, true. I yeah. think I think around a lot of that stuff, or even what I'm doing now from our FDA regs or FISMA for human foods. That's the uh, Food Standards Modernisation Act out of the US Department of Agriculture for people who (laughs) who are interested. So that, you know, going off and becoming a trainer for that particular course for me has then positioned me to be able to deliver that that work and then go on to help people implement those systems within their business. And I think also we look at what I know about your career, you've gone from... um, local to national to international work now yes yes i've been doing international for quite quite some time now which is good yeah you know i quite enjoy that and i think the way that we do work now has changed as well i'm based out of a a home office which suits me and it was quite good when my kids were growing up you know they're all well the youngest is just about to turn 20 with that side of it it really gave me the flexibility to be able to still be a half-hearted mother that contract I signed the day they were born to then but still do the stuff that I really really enjoy so there's definitely flexibility in in uh, work conditions in this industry should you go looking for it yeah and I think even the the people that I know who are working in a food business Mm. they can have that flexibility there as well yeah so we got up to about We've got a bit further with me. So what did you do after you left um, that audit company well, back in 2002 or so? It was around 2002, wasn't it? So yeah. I was volunteering for the auditor certification body and not long after they offered me a job in their business development area and it was within the next 18 months that I was... Uh, appointed as the CEO of that organisation. So you've gone from being a, a, a bloke in the lab, yep. mixing up stuff, stuff, yep. <laughs> looking at stuff under a microscope, That's it. to now into a CEO role, into more management. Absolutely. Was that a natural transition for you or was it kind of staged? No, it was. was it? So the I, I knew I wanted to work in that organisation and... By the time I got there, I, I had a very strong desire that I wanted to lead that organisation, so I became very passionate about what they were doing. Yeah. So and what what made that organisation so special? Again, because I could affect change on a at that time on a national level and it started to move to international level, which means I wanted to raise awareness for the professional work that we were doing as auditors and also consultants and trainers out there and that what we the work that we did or are still doing people are out there matters that it helps protect food safety food quality and it, then it, uh, the on the on flow of that is that it protects people's lives 
Yeah, so it's always like, a good thing. Yeah, well, much like what you were saying about your career is you wanted to uh, uphold what was right and, um, and uh, you know, protect the sanctity of, of regulation and legislation. For me, it was about I could see how many people out there were making contributions to everyday life, which is you open the fridge and you pull something out and you eat it for breakfast, lunch or dinner and you don't naturally think, oh, is this safe or am I going to get sick or I'm pregnant, will this cause a miscarriage? But there were people like us out there who thought of that every single day and looked at how we could impact positive change on manufacturers, growers, packers, food handlers, whatever it is out there to make things safe. And I think from that aspect, regardless of whether you're you know, we're in the position that we were in, just having that thought process as a food handler because that matters. Yeah. That matters what you do every day. It yep. can impact somebody's entire life if you do, if you get it wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't have any formal management training or even formal management experience. I mean, I, I'd done business management uh, training at university. They put you through at least 12 months worth of business management studies. And this was, I guess, my first chance to stretch my legs on that, even though it had been quite a number of years since I'd finished university. But I found that the ability to communicate influence and lead people through projects, through change and to a vision was a very natural fit for me. It felt good. So after being a trainer at TAFE as well, so I was training. Oh, weren't they the good old days? Oh, they were great days, yeah. (laughs) So being a trainer in food safety for TAFE, for a number of TAFEs, and also for the fledgling uh, Le Cordon Bleu in Australia in those days, doing food safety for those guys. So they were for the restaurant industry? Uh, They were providing the um, high-level chefs and artisans for for the restaurant industry, yeah. Yeah. So... um, Giving people the tools to impact positive change was a was a really important um, uh, sort of idea for me. Yeah. And so becoming the CEO, there was a lot of challenges. That's a whole that's a whole other discussion just in itself yeah, about yeah. diving in the deep end of you know you know holy cow I'm a CEO now what next type thing. Yeah. But then really really took that on and and I was able to start impacting the industry at a what I found next at a national level and then eventually at an international level right up to working at the United Nations on the European Community for Economic uh, Cooperation. So from you're doing this CEO gig, how long did that? That lasted 13 years. 13 years? Yep, I was 13 years in that organisation. Lucky 13? Yeah, maybe so. And then when did you, where did you go from there then? That was the time I realised... So that makes Pete about 70 years old. Yeah, 253 at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, I realised right near the end of that, that career path, it was uh, time for a career change. And uh, I'd found indirectly that I was doing um, a fair bit of coaching and mentoring for others around me because people are always interested in how you get to those roles and what's involved and how do people move on their own career paths. So... I, I did formal training on how to be a, a coach, so a, a performance and leadership coach. And then whilst I was doing that, straight out of the blue, I was approached by another industry that I was working in at the time, which was the insurance industry. So this is back in 2000. I was doing more than one job at a time, folks, if you're interested. Um, I was working in the insurance industry 
helping them write uh, policy for product recall. So this was yeah. – and so I didn't actually write the policy, but I was the one on the ground checking out the premises to say what's the level of risk they're about to write a policy for. So yeah. is this a good risk? Is this a bad risk? And what's the likelihood they're going to have a recall? Yeah, so, and that's where we actually first started really working together. Yeah, it was. For that mob. I think, yep. that, again, that was about 2002. It was around that time. Um, and like you, I've continued to do insurance work for people wanting to get insurance policies. Absolutely. And we go in and check, are they a good risk or a bad risk? Yep. And, so, and that's not just food safety, that's looking at a whole heap of different things. It's it's really just around risk and crisis management. And, yep. and I guess that's the point, is you... you you picked up for your expertise in a particular uh, industry, but what they find is your skills that you're using in that space, so risk assessment, risk identification, risk mitigation, is transferable to a whole raft of other industries. Mm. You could use it across the board. And so that's what I do these days. So what do I do now? I'm, uh, I run my own business and I independently consult to insurance um uh, service providers around the world on risk and crisis management and coach. So you've done it's like you've done a full 360 oh not even a 360 sorry because you started off in the lab. Yeah it's you know, I guess it's 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 but more from your working career around that whole risk management. It is circling back to the food no. industry so I, I I for 13 years of my life I definitely focused on leadership management, business management, business operation, financial management, strategic management. I, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I loved doing it. It was, it was great. I still have a passion for, for that industry yeah. and what they're trying to achieve. At some point, I realized I needed to do something more with my skill set that I developed and, and start to give back to many more people, which is where the coaching came in. Yeah, And the risk management sort of came out of the cracks. You know, it was, I, I wasn't looking... For it, um, I still enjoy doing it because there's a certain amount of um, problem-solving, decision-making, uh, applying logical process yeah. to it that I really enjoy, and that suits my skill set and my personal attributes. So, what we're what we're going to do in each of these episodes, we start talking about attributes and skills. We're going to go through all the different levels of where you are in your career yeah. and let you know what the, the expected expect- skills courses, knowledge that you should do, putting you on a path to become an expert or maybe even getting you to understand, you know, what are the transitional processes. There's some stat around how many times people change careers now. might be totally different. So if we can help with that process, this is what this podcast is really about. Yeah, and I'd say that this introductory one is really showing that there is no set course and... uh, that there's so much variation out there in in the industry that you could start off as a as a lab tech and become a, a quality manager and then move on to a broad array of of mm. industries that either are directly or indirectly within the food industry. So, um, or even to the point you end up running your own business, or that you run your or own maybe business. your own food company. You might Absolutely. see that side of it. So, in our next episode on off the menu, we're going to have a look at building direction and where to start in that process and looking at how we go about transitioning and the the skills and how we try and be a little bit more directed rather than thinking that we just fall into things. But we'll learn a little bit more around that.
So thanks, Pete. Thank you. Uh, until the next episode. Yep. Happy listening and look forward to having you join us on the next thanks, podcast. Thanks, You've been listening to HACCP Mentor. For all your food business, HACCP, quality and food safety compliance tools, check out our website at www.hacapmentor.com. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes to this episode.